Well, some have said that aside from the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, probably the most, I would think, the most emotional chapter in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 45. And there's a reason why. Because it involves a man named Joseph and his brothers. And if you know the backstory of the chapters leading up, you will understand why chapter 45 is extremely emotional. And it's even emotional for me to present this to you tonight. I have to admit that. It's not an easy subject to teach on, but I know this. God is here tonight to help us with what I'm about to share with you. You see, 22 years prior to chapter 45, we're let into the story of Joseph and his brothers. And it's a very simple story. His brothers were jealous of him because of his relationship with their father. And so they devised a plan to get rid of him, hide the evidence. And that's exactly what they did. They first threw him into a pit, thinking that would be the end of it. But then they realized, we can make some money off of him. And so what they did, they decided to take his coat off of him, slaughter an animal, take that blood, put it on his coat, bring that coat back to the dad saying, hey, you know, an animal got to Joseph. <clears throat> Sorry, dad, but you lost a son. But money got involved. And they decided to sell him for some money. And so this story sets in motion a very lengthy episode of emotions all over the place. So during these 22 years, Joseph winds up actually in the hierarchy of Egypt. And he is sort of climbing the corporate ladder. So much so that he is put over a specific area of the government in Egypt. Unbeknownst to him, his family is still in the land of Canaan and they're suffering droughts and famines and they have no food. They have to do something. They're desperate. They had heard about Egypt. They had heard that there was food there. So they said, Dad, listen, all of us, we're going to go to Egypt. We're going to get some food. We're going to bring it back. We need some food. Sounds good to me. Unbeknownst to them, guess who was in charge of the food pantry? Joseph. And so the story begins in kind of 37, 38, on up to 45. As his brothers are walking up, they have no clue it's him. But he recognizes them. 
He spots his brothers. You can imagine his heart was pounding. You know, the old question, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? How is he going to look them in the eye? Knowing that his brothers literally left him to die. Selling your own sibling. Some people would say Joseph had every right to be resentful, seek revenge, payback, right? That's what we say around here, right? Payback. So the question is, is how would you handle that situation? Forgiveness or taking matters into your own hands? And so we have a very powerful lesson here tonight to really unpack forgiveness. Again, it's a little prickly of a situation. Some of you may be involved in that even as we speak. And I want to give you quickly seven stages of what I would call unforgiveness slash taking matters in your own hands. And we're going to go through them very quickly. The first stage is we get hurt, right? We get offended. It's the initial sting of when somebody wrongs you. Could be an emotional hurt, a physical hurt, a mental hurt, maybe in your childhood or maybe even later in life. Many times that sting comes from people that you love and respect. And right here in stage one is where rejection and hatred begin to rise up. And it's also the beginning stage of unforgiveness. Sec uh, the second stage is we begin to lay blame. We blame someone else for what is going on. And eventually we become very good at laying blame. Because it becomes our way to deal. It becomes our way of escape. The third stage is the old bitterness and grudge start to infiltrate and it begins to affect. In fact, that word bitterness comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to cut. It also means sharp. So we can say that bitterness is very cut and it's very sharp and it's very damaging. This is where anger, temper, and slander begin to rise. And it also, it's at this stage where we really look for ways to get back. The fourth stage is we look for detours because we have to do our best to try to avoid the pain. Mental detours creep in because we typically want to change the subject when we see that person or hear about that person. Physical detours are we avoid the person or the place where they're at. Anything that reminds us of the hurt is simply off limits. I told you it was going to be a little prickly. Number five, the fifth stage is we simply dig a hole and we bury it. 
thinking that's the best way to handle things. Number six, we deny the hurt. We say things like, oh, I've dealt with it. I forgave them. And it's here that we deny the connection between bitterness and dysfunctional behavior. <laughs> we don't recognize that the two go together. And then the seventh stage, we become defeated or we live in defeat. And I'm going to read off several things. We develop a short fuse. We become oversensitive. We develop a critical spirit. Avoidance of others. If you're a supervisor or a leader, the tendency is to do things yourself and not trust people to carry out what you've asked them to do. We have, we develop prolonged anger. It also leads to physical medical issues like heart disease, high blood pressure. Also, migraine headaches, digestive issues. And it's here in this arena of defeat that we begin to self-medicate through drugs and alcohol. We can't sleep through the night. In fact, there is somebody in this building right now as I'm speaking that was dealing with unforgiveness because of something that was done to him. And this very thing, not being able to sleep through the night, affected him for a very long time. Until one day, Pastor Todd was preaching right here. And this particular gentleman that is in here tonight realized that he needed to go through some forgiveness. And right there in that service, God delivered him and freed him from that. Amen. So help uh, having trouble sleeping through the night, anxiety disorders, as well as depression. So if Doug, if we could put that that big list right back up, look at it. We get hurt, blamed, there's bitterness, detours. We dig a hole, we deny it and we live defeated. Who wants to live there? Well, this is what happens when we take matters into our own hands. These seven stages. And it simply becomes a, a merry-go-round of unforgiveness. But I want to let you know tonight that we have a choice. We can stay within those seven stages or we can walk through a process of learning how to forgive. And so let's go right back to Joseph. I want to give you a couple steps. One, it's actually the first two were the steps of how he was able to get through forgiveness. And the third is a result of what he did. So I'm going to give you some good news. Amen. Y'all okay with this tonight? Okay. All right. Knock, knock anybody home. And so I just want to share with you tonight, you may have never seen this before, but it literally jumped off the page many, many years ago. I've actually preached this message, maybe at a, an encounter or something, or a men's something, whatever. And um, 
I felt like the Lord said, go back, go back. And so I took that message and I kind of tweaked it to fit you tonight. But I'm just reminded every time I read the story of Joseph, how he was able to begin a process because he was in probably a, a bad way for 20 something years living that way, knowing that your siblings sold you. So step one, how did Joseph get beyond this? Number one, Joseph revealed himself. And let me just read to you. It's right here in Scripture. In Genesis 45, it begins in verse one. We're going to read through one through four. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. Keep in mind. He sees his siblings. They don't know it's him. He cried out, have everyone leave my presence right now. I need some space. I need to deal with this. I need to handle this. So there was no one with Joseph, Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians in adjoining rooms him. Can you get the picture? He's wailing. He's emotional. He's having to deal with 22 years. And Pharaoh's household heard about it as well. Verse 3. So Joseph sees his brothers and identifies himself and reveals himself and says, I'm your brother, Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then finally in verse 4, Joseph said to them, I want you to come close to me. And when they had done so, he says, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. I don't think he said, hey, you, you guys sold me. Into, no, I think he was just identifying, hey, I'm, I'm him. I'm your brother. See, Joseph knew who his brothers were, but they didn't know who he was until he revealed himself. Up to this point, he's just a, a mystery leader, someone in power in the government of Egypt. But here's the incredible news. One moment, he's standing there as the prime minister of Egypt. And the next moment, he's looking into the eyes of his brothers. Think that was an awkward moment for everyone? You see, Joseph had every right to seek revenge. He could have, he could have done away with them. He had that kind of power. He could have kept his identity hidden from them. And no one would have faulted Joseph if he had gone that far. But he chose to deal with his siblings on the basis of forgiveness. He says, come close. I'm your brother. See, Joseph looked beyond their offense. He looked beyond their sins. And he just simply looks through the lens of love and forgiveness. 
And that's what happens to us when we choose this option. Christ reveals himself through the first step of forgiveness. Amen. Isn't that good? Just as Joseph revealed himself, Christ reveals himself through you and I taking that initial step. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But let me tell you what. When you take that step, Jesus shows up in a big way to help you and to teach you. How do I know that? In Titus 3, verses 3 through 5, it says this. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, but, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. My friends, that's who Jesus Christ is. He reveals his kindness and his love and he shows up when we struggle with this particular topic of unforgiveness. So maybe you're holding on to something from your past. Something that maybe has been very deep-rooted internally. Let me just say this. When Jesus reveals himself, he says, I'm Jesus. I'm your helper. Come to me. And what happens is the other person begins to get a glimpse of who Jesus is because of your step of obedience. Amen. They see the difference in you. It might be a little step, but that's okay. They see Jesus. Number two, Joseph, this is his second step, he initiated reconciliation. He initiated it. Look what it says in verses 14 and 15. This is good. Same, same chapter, chapter 45. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. Like that. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. Joseph doesn't stop there. He kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After his brothers, afterward, his brothers talked with him. See, Joseph initiated reconciliation. They began talking. Now, we are not privy to the conversation that they had. But maybe it could have gone something like this. Joseph, we mistreated you very badly because we had a spirit of jealousy. Maybe Joseph said something like this. Brothers, I know what you did was bad, but it was not so bad that God cannot forgive you and not so bad that I cannot forgive you. And with his arms open wide, reconciliation began. See, reconciliation looks like this. The brothers drove him away. 
he calls them to come near. His brothers left him out with, without any comfort or even a home. He encourages his brothers and comforts them. His brothers were willing to allow Joseph to die of starvation, and he offers food to them. His brothers sent him away on the back of a dirty, mangy camel once they sold him. He sent them home on very fine Egyptian carts. His brothers had ripped the coat of many colors off of his back. He gives them expensive garments to go back to the land of Canaan. His brothers sold him for silver. Joseph gives them silver for their trip back home. That's what reconciliation looks like, my friends. Amen. Are y'all getting something out of this? Because I am. You see, the very instant we receive Jesus into our heart, we are immediately forgiven. And we're cleansed. And get this. We are reconciled back to the Father. And because He's such a good Father, He gives us a present. And it's called, in Scripture, the ministry of reconciliation. It's in our DNA. Did you know that? We have the capacity to forgive. We have the capacity to utilize and to reconcile with those that have wronged us. It's wonderful to know the ministry of reconciliation. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this. Many of you know this scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We all know that. But look what it says. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of how to deal with people who have wronged us to be able to get through this and to walk in freedom. It's reconciliation. Amen. See, reconciliation just doesn't blow in like the wind, like a good clear, cool, crisp north wind. It's there. It just needs to be activated by taking that step of, I'm going to initiate it. Amen? So steps one and two are really what, what Joseph did. It's in Scripture. It tells us. I didn't make this up. It's right there. And you want to know what the result of him taking these two steps. His father's spirit was revived. Look what it says in verse 27. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, in other words, the brothers had gone back to tell the dad, guess what? Joseph's alive, he says. And when he saw the carts, Joseph had sent to carry him back. The spirit of their father Jacob revived. Think of that dad for 22 years thinking your son and getting the news that he is alive, he's doing well, he's okay, but forgave the other knuckleheads. I can just picture 
the smile on that man's face. You know, have you ever uh, seen an episode or maybe one of these long lost families where um, they um, they're separated at birth or whatever? And, 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 you know, sometimes in their elderly age, they find their siblings and you ever notice how long they hug? They don't let go. Because they haven't seen their sibling in so long or a loved one. Have you ever seen those shows? Isn't that heartwarming? That's what this dad was going through. You see, when we choose forgiveness, our spirit man is revived as well. Where there was no longer joy, there is now joy. Where there is no peace, there is now peace. There's something that happens to your attitude. And, and get this, your physical issues wind up going away. You can, you can um, research this, medical journals, they'll tell you the stress of unforgiveness and, and going through that and continuing to go through that. But once you forgive, it changes everything in your physical body and your mental body. Amen. Listen, Joseph was not superhuman. He never walked on water. He just simply made a decision to go down a path of freedom and forgiveness. This is what I know. He revealed himself to his brothers. He initiated the reconciliation. And because of that, his father was revived. There's a wonderful quote that I'd like to share with you. I don't remember who wrote this, but I'm just going to quote it. The world's worst prison is the prison of an unforgiving heart. If we refuse to forgive others, then we are only imprisoning ourselves and causing our own torment. He goes on to say, some of the most miserable people I have met in my life have been people who would not forgive others. They lived only to imagine ways to punish these people who had wronged them. But they were only punishing themselves. I get that forgiveness is not easy. I get that. Especially in this world, this complex world that we're in. It doesn't mean that we excuse the offense or we have to forget. Please understand that. It means that we don't continue to allow ourselves to be eaten up alive on the inside. If we don't forgive, we find ourselves in isolation. We have problems in relationships. Many people struggle in a marriage. And I know we have some married couples in here. Let me just let you in on something that uh, Reverend Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, was quoted because someone asked her, what was your secret to your longevity with Reverend Graham? And she said this, a marriage is a union of two great forgivers. 
and I'll let you in on a little secret. When, when I um, counsel couples, that's usually where I wind up landing once I get to know the couple. Once you peel back the onion, you realize that maybe both of them don't know how to forgive because maybe we were never taught. You know what I'm saying? We just mimic what our parents did for some of us. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? We can become great forgivers. I believe that with all my heart. You see, if we if we don't learn how to forgive. How many of you have children? You'll pass it on to your children. Just like that. And if we're not careful, they will pass it on to their children. So. If we don't forgive, we find ourselves dealing with a lot of physical pain that we were not meant to deal with. So, how many of you want to keep living that way? I know I don't. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Stop blaming yourselves for things that have happened. But God is ready to release liberty tonight because I've been given the assignment to tell you that. And as one person once said, forgiveness is just another word for freedom. You can tweet that. I wish I pinned it, but I didn't. Forgiveness is just another word for freedom. And I hope you are listening tonight with both ears open to put into practice what you've heard. There are obviously other steps that you can, you know, if you need to get with somebody, some counsel, that's great. What do I do if the person is deceased that offended me? Well, you can still forgive and move on and get into freedom. Amen. But my goal tonight was not to hit you over the head. It was just simply to expose something that I know a lot of us do not know how to deal with. And I'm hoping to give you from Scripture. The, these words, you understand, are not Rob. I, I didn't make up these Scriptures. It, it's right here. And that's why I love Scripture so much, because the answers are right here. When you're reading and you see something and you know the backstory. Of these brothers. And then Joseph, he had a decision to make. Ah, that's forgiveness. That's God's grace. Whatever your situation is, the Lord wants to help you tonight. Not tomorrow, but tonight. Because a person who harbors unforgiveness always loses. And so I hope tonight that you choose to win by allowing God to begin to minister to you. For some people, it can happen just like that. For some, it may take some time to walk through that. But I would hope that you would take these verses, Genesis chapter 45. You can actually go back to chapter 37 and begin the story and see for yourself. I say this all the time. My name is Rob and I'm your. Thank you. I'm just trying to help you all. Because I need the help as well. Amen.
And a lot of churches don't, they don't deal with this. And I'm glad we have sort of an openness to sharing the gospel with you, but to st- just to share something that will set you free and take the, the handcuff, handcuffs off of you. Amen. I want to end with a scripture that I think will um, launch you into taking these steps. And it's in the Living Bible, John chapter 5. It says this. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. We can just stop right there. 38 years. How many of us have been been dealing with unforgiveness for years? Years. This man lying there had been sick for a very long time. 38. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he just simply asked him, would you like to get well? What do you think the man said? Yes. You mean right now? Like not next week, right now? Yeah, that's what I'm saying to you. Do you want to get well? Do you want to walk in freedom and let go and extend forgiveness to maybe someone who has wronged you that you've been holding on? Would you like to stop taking things into your own hands and walk down a new road? Just remember this, that you were forgiven when you got saved. See, we tend to forget that. You were forgiven. Jesus is our ultimate teacher. And the Word of God is our teacher as well. I would like for you to stand right now. And this is what I would like for you to do. If I've hit sort of a pimple tonight, we're going to pop that pimple. This is what I'd like for you to do. In your mind, if there is someone who has wronged you, I want you to not say it out loud, but I want you to picture that person and their name in your mind. Because we're going to pray that tonight you will get well and be free and begin a new journey of walking in forgiveness. Amen. I'm telling you like I know that I know. Once you begin this journey, you're not going to look back. You will not regret being free. We're going to do what's called a prayer of forgiveness. And so if you have somebody or maybe a group of people that have wronged you, tonight is the night to be set free. And if you're watching online, you can do the same thing. And we're going to pray out loud. You can keep the name low, but you know what I'm saying? We're going to pray out loud. 
But I want you to take this with you to go home and continue to walk through forgiveness so that when it pops up again, somebody else maybe has wronged you, you can do the same thing. Amen. Are y'all good with this tonight? I just simply want you to repeat after me. And I'm, I'm going to say, Heavenly Father, I forgive blank. And you actually, you can do it in your mind or you can, you can say the word out loud. I, it doesn't matter to me. But I'd like for you to insert that person's name right there so we can release them. So here we go. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I forgive from my heart for all the things that they did to me. Tonight, I want to get well. Tonight, I let them go free. I lay nothing to their charge. I require nothing of them. I release them into your hands tonight. Because Heavenly Father, you've already forgiven me. Now, Lord... Bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. I choose forgiveness rather than take things into my own hands. I release them to you. And tonight, I choose forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So, I hope this helps. Some of you that are new to the faith, this may be brand new to you, and that's okay. We all have to learn, and we all have to start somewhere. Amen? This helped me and continues to help me because we have to walk in an arena of forgiveness. Otherwise, we get chewed on, we get eaten up, and we will go to our deathbed with nothing but regret. I've done too many funerals to watch what that does to families. And I'll repeat this story. I did a funeral a couple years ago. The mother passed away and she had two daughters. Each daughter, they were at aught with each other and they were also at aught with their mother. When they showed up, meaning the family, some of the family chose one daughter because it was a, it was just simply a, a chapel that had one aisle, pews on one side and pews on the other. I watched it. They walked in and had to choose which daughter they were going to represent, the family and friends. It was the most devastating thing I've ever seen in my life. Too much regret, too much unforgiveness in this family. And the Lord showed me, give them the gospel, but give them about forgiveness. And I literally shared with them as much as I could in my little memory of how to walk in forgiveness. And guess which story I used? Joseph, you know, I paraphrased. You know what that is? You just kind of, you don't make it up, but you just, you do your best. Hey, in the Bible, it says somewhere in Genesis. And I just prayed, I said, Lord, I, I pray that somehow this family would grasp what it means to forgive. 
And so I just encourage you tonight to just take this message and maybe chew on it privately, maybe chew on it with your spouse, chew on it with your children, maybe with your friends. But I'm, my, my prayer tonight is that you will take this and not just toss it to the side. Because guess what? You're going to have to walk in forgiveness again, right? But let me tell you, there's power in forgiveness. Amen. Let me pray with you right now and just, uh, just ask for God's blessing on you. Father, I pray right now. I pray, Lord, that as we walk this out, that we will remember Joseph. Lord, he was at a crossroads. Do I forgive or do I pay back? Do I walk in joy and peace or do I want to get revenge? Father, I pray that you will use this word, you will use this story of Joseph to help us, to help those watching online to walk that road of forgiveness, to walk that road of freedom. And Lord, I love that quote that said, forgiveness is just another word for freedom. I pray that tonight is just a stepping stone to victory for your people. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray and agree. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you all for coming. Uh, I promise somebody different is going to be up here next Wednesday. Amen. (laughs) Y'all be blessed and have a great evening.